Hello and welcome to the Game Development Podcast by Dark Paradigm Games. We're making a series of podcasts on important game development topics that we think will be useful for you. We have learned a lot from starting up an indie game development studio. So stay tuned for the whole series to learn from our success and our mistakes. I'm your host, Jacqueline Martin, creative director and co-founder of Dark Paradigm Games. And today I'm joined by Edwin Deiser, our community manager and sound designer. Hello, thanks for joining. And today we'll be talking about crowdfunding options for your game and general funding options. Uh, but we want to talk more specifically about crowdfunding. So, first of all, uh, we want to discuss what are the funding options for a game. Though at the beginning, if you're an indie game developer, you may not be aware that there are a lot of options, but um, most of them come attached with strings. Um, yeah, the, I, I think we agreed both on like trying to keep this as much centered on crowdfunding as possible because, um, well, it, it still comes with strings attached, but with the least amount of strings attached. Yeah. Yeah. As an indie development studio, uh, we decided that in our situation, crowdfunding best fits. And, uh, well, perhaps you will make the same conclusion yourself. Um, like Jackie said, there are strings attached, but uh, the main, in my eyes, there's there's three main funding options other than crowdfunding that you can pursue. Uh, you can approach private investors. Now, that is quite difficult for an indie game studio. But mm -hmm. to appeal to a private investor, you need to demonstrate effectively that your game has a very good chance of making monetary returns. Mm. Um, you can do that by basically comparing your game to previous games that have made good returns and saying why your game is like that. It's not exactly the same. Obviously, nobody likes a complete repeat. But you say the similarities of your game to that And then you demonstrate the competence, the abilities of your team to deliver something similar to it. And chances are you may be able to get a private investor interested because it'll be a tried and tested formula if the game you're comparing to was profitable. Um, for example, if somebody came to me and said, I'm going to make the next Call of Duty, <laughs> uh, would, you, you know, would you like to invest £100? I'd probably say yes. I, I'm sure I'd make that money back and, and a few more percentage on top. Um, so, uh, yeah, what, what do you think about that, Jackie? Why didn't we go for private investors? <laughs> <laughs> Because we're not making Call of Duty clones, no. But <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's maybe good to give like an, a, a small overview of what there is. Like, um, yeah, you're right. You could go for private investors. You you could try self-funding your game and just like living like under In poverty. relatively poor conditions, <laughs> eating rice and tomato ketchup, I don't know. <laughs> Or you could try like the way of like crowd donations, um, like lending money. Um, there are also services where you have to pay back once you reach your goal and once you are like more established and um, I think another way is also um, government uh, incentives or competitions you can join competitions and um, maybe you you get some like other like you, you 
you don't necessarily need to have money to boost your um to to boost your indie game sometimes it's also good if if you get someone to like cover maybe the marketing or who just helps you in some way yeah it's a good point um first of all does your game actually need a lot of money um at dark paradigm games actually uh we've been operating on an extremely low budget and i dare say we've had pretty good results so far um that said there will probably come a time where you do want some money especially to market a game once you've got a finished game once you've got an end product you uh, may want to spend a bit of money on just advertising that kind of stuff um but yeah jackie made a really good point about getting loans as well it's risky but that is an option and we're not going to talk about it much because that largely just sits with you but um obviously you can get bank loans and uh they should be reasonably easy to get you can also get business loans uh a lot of that will actually be down to similar lines as the private investors topic uh you just need to demonstrate that you think your business making games will be profitable um and uh we haven't tried it as far as i'm aware but um i would have thought that a bank would be quite cynical about that kind of thing but it's an option it's there <laughs> yeah there's um there's also peer to peer lending and that is actually a type of crowdfunding where you get a loan from uh well a crowd of people as opposed to just a single bank um and in this type of crowdfunding you have to pay back that loan at the end often with a bit of interest added so it's actually very similar to a bank loan but there's less risk you could say on the part of the individual investors because they're not giving you this big $50,000 lump sum or whatever but it's just lots of people chipping in five or ten dollars because they are interested in your project but again they're probably going to take the same approach as a private investor they will be wanting to see a return so again you're going to have to demonstrate profitability of your game so I, I kind of wanted to add that at the end of the day, you can also always go for a hybrid where you like try to get some money um, from yeah crowdfunding and some money through other means like asking your mom well, or just being investor, rich in the beginning. Self-funded, <laughs> yeah. asking your mom, exactly. Mom! Asking your dog. <laughs> Help. No, but and yeah. Actually, we joke, but I think a lot of people do. Yeah, I, I think if you have a family that supports you, that's so valuable. Um, not necessarily through money, but in general. Um, yeah, so now that we've discussed the options of like through which you can fund your game or like gave it more of an overview, um, you already said how to be interesting to private investors and um, yeah, maybe dive a little deeper on that the the private investor front honestly my conclusions were it's probably for bigger games to be honest um it's quite difficult to find uh i guess there'd be venture capitalists um but there's some pretty good apps for doing so if you want to try going down that route uh in the uk there's an app called Shaper, I don't know how to pronounce it. Mm -hmm. S H A P R, okay. which is basically about connecting professionals. Um, and if 
you state your business type and the type of people you'd like to meet. Um, it may be able to set up a meeting with, um, well, investors. They're probably not going to be huge players, but th uh, this is one of those approaches. So you don't have to aim for Elon Musk to get a private <laughs> investor for your game. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. So these are all the options, but additionally, there are also like still publishers and you could always try to apply for uh, grants. Um, for example, um, Unity doesn't like to my knowledge offer such a thing, but for example, Unreal, if you're developing with Unreal, you can apply for an Unreal grant and There are so many different ones out there that you could potentially try to apply to. Um, uh, not a lot of uh, grants for mobile games as to how my research has gone so far. But um, from what I understand, you can at least try to get between 5k to 50k, even just from applying to a lot of grants and just like keeping your eyes peeled for like where can you benefit from it does not always have to be monetary again and um yeah so maybe it's also interesting to look for publishers if you are okay with giving some of your freedom away in terms of where the game is going to be or how the end result of your game will look like and for me it was never like um <laughs> You really need to find someone, I think, who understands your vision as a publisher then. But also, I think there needs to be that empathy towards your publisher you have, that it's like not a one-way road. They also need like this safety and security that they want to, that it's that, that you're valuable enough to invest into you because you don't want to just be a money trained for anyone in, in the beginning. Yeah, that's... um. It's an important point. So to a lesser extent than this, just getting a loan idea or a private investor, you do still need to demonstrate profitability to a publisher. But one of the reasons a publisher is going to slightly restrict your creative freedom is it becomes their responsibility that your game is profitable. So it's not always a bad thing that a publisher will try to guide you a bit. You just need to find the balance, of course. Um, For example, I don't think a sports game, to the best of my knowledge, would do that well with Devolver Digitals, which I, I think they, they publish quite story-based, <laughs> like uh, that kind of point It's actually game as well. an interesting combination to, um, yeah, <laughs> because then if you hear Devolver, then you have like this very unique thing in your head where, where if you put sports game on it, then like for me, then the sports game suddenly has very unique visuals in a way <laughs> yeah i'd be quite curious to see what a sports game published by devolver you know if you're listening devolver the market's ready <laughs> um, but what, <laughs> what I, i was more going for that uh probably there's there's a fan base for devolver's games they're a big enough publisher that actually there's a fan base that expects a certain type of title from them. And if you want to get a publisher for your sports game, it's probably they're probably not the best fit for you. They may try and turn your game into uh, one of the types of games they do very well, as opposed to the like hockey game you wanted to make or whatever. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And that all boils down to safety again, that 
I mean, they're investing their money into you, so they ultimately want to feel safe with you. And um, safety sometimes, in my opinion, does not mean that the game is going to be better because you're taking less risks and then you make it more uniform and then you are in, like maybe even a little losing out on unique selling points you had um, just to maybe give a publisher more safety and then through that it sells mm. less good. There's There's other just more practical things with a publisher you'll be expected to follow deadlines and uh they'll also expect you to be quite well somewhat professional in uh, like yeah exactly in how you <laughs> act and everything um, so i know a lot of indie studios that yeah. avoid publishers and that's that's not because they are necessarily a bad option but there's also plenty of uh quite poor publishers out there um, some excellent ones as well, but all publishers will take a share of your earnings and they, you need to decide for yourself, are they putting in enough work? Are they giving you enough value to justify what would typically be a 20 to 40% cut of your game's profits, which is, this yeah. is a big chunk of your profits. Yeah, I also think a lot of uh, gamers see certain publishers very critically and if they hear you're publishing with that certain publisher, it could also do you harm because they are used to, quote unquote, have crappy games mm. from this certain publisher so they know it will be crap and therefore not go for your game. Even though your game may have been good, just, yeah, because experiences. Yeah. They, they don't have to be true, but... Then again, it does mean that at least people are hearing about your game, even if they assume it's going to be bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's because publishers are, or should be, experienced with marketing and the business side of things. They should be able to help you a lot with that. And they should uh, have this network of uh, maybe not fans, but people who've heard of them at least. Yeah, but also like a network of... Um other developers for example you have a need of um, someone who can make awesome trailers for you or you have a need um, I'm saying this because hello if you make tra awesome trailers <laughs> each other you know where to find us <laughs> um, click on the discord do it. hello <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, we've got our video okay now that we've covered that no um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> Uh, where was I? Um, yeah, so they also usually have a connection to other developers. So if you are, um, if your t competences are not with, again, making trailers or like making um, certain aspects of your game where you need external help, then they can probably connect you with someone who has that expertise to push your game a little further. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, awesome. That said, you may be able to get those things done with a freelance person. There's plenty of good freelance websites to try out, but there's no safety net there. So a publisher might be able to vouch for the quality of these people. Whereas if you're just hiring a freelancer, it could literally just be some random guy with an internet connection who wants some of your money. Yeah, I, I think like there's so much about like funding, about safety, about um, like having empathy for another and or each other in general. And um, so much of that transitions into crowdfunding where like crowd I, i personally treat crowdfunding as you need to um like gain people's trust and make them feel safe with you and want to invest into you and your project and obviously there needs to be a need for your project 
like if, if, if you're trying to push a project that no one wants um then you're really going to have a difficult time finding yeah. investors for it <laughs> disregarding of how safe they feel with you really we want to discuss um the suitability of crowdfunding whether it's a good fit for your game um whether your game is appropriate for crowdfunding doesn't reflect on that game's quality necessarily but certain types of games will generally do better on crowdfunding from what i've found out is that there are things that work very well to um to do for crowdfunding and things that work not so well And I'm not certain if I agree so much with the reasoning that was given for certain aspects, but um, I can go over that. What was basically the key of things that are working to crowdfund if people love your project? That it's a lot about love and um, that you have a community behind you that wants to see this project succeed, that wants to see you succeed and um, that you also have a drive behind of all of that and that you really look at the benefits, uh, benefits and features um, that your project has and where you can give value to people, um, something that solves a need. And then you could again talk about, okay, what are benefits, what are features? Because um, I think a lot of these marketing terms are relatively unclear, maybe to indie de developers where... Um, um, it's basically about having something tangible or something intangible. What What's the story behind your your project or what you're creating? And like in general, is it an easy to understand concept that you're trying to go or to crowdfund? Because the easier it is um, to understand, the easier people will share it, not only online, but also offline. Hey, I'm backing this really awesome project. It's um, this and this. And uh If, if it's a really complicated thing, then it will just be harder to explain. Um, yeah, and then you you kind of also want to fill a niche in, in, in what you are presenting that, that people know, okay, this will not be produced other than so me yeah. crowdfunding it. You have to make a point that um, the, the game or whatever product it is that you're making is firstly unique it's only ever going to exist if it gets the crowdfunding and thirdly and this is really important because crowdfunding is competitive you need to make a great case that you are the best person to make it that you're passionate which you probably are that you are skilled and know what you're doing and that you have a great team around you if you can make that case then perhaps crowdfunding is something to consider Uh, the most appealing thing about crowdfunding to me seems being able to sell something unique about the game. Bear in mind, we've already discussed the traditional publisher route and also quite traditional get a private investor route and how that's well suited to games that fit a formula and deliver that formula very well. I don't mean that in any derogatory way because there's a lot of mm -hmm. skill behind making something like that. But that doesn't appeal so much on crowdfunding because after all, Anybody who might give money to your crowdfunding campaign is basically going to just think, well, why couldn't they go to Sony or why could they not go to uh, some wealthy private investor to get this um, sort of COD-like game made, which is the traditional route. I think it would be pretty ridiculous mm. to see a Call of Duty game on crowdfunding, for example. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I think there are, um, we are later also discussing the benefits um, or like the advantages and disadvantages of crowdfunding. But I think there are actually not so many disadvantages other than like maybe if you're a huge company and you have like massive amount of money that um, you then can spend some <laughs> that, that it becomes kind of ridiculous for people to then say hey okay you have so much money why do you yeah. need our money then um, but there are definitely also things that are not working uh, for crowdfunding but um, I've seen an interesting uh, GDC talk about it um, what works for crowdfunding in 2019 and um, there the discussion point was basically around um, things that are not working are games for kids, uh, free-to-play games and mobile games. And that kind of like your worst case scenario would be to have a loveless game, <coughs> which is a mobile free-to-play <laughs> game for kids. <laughs> and um, I'm not necessarily sure if I would 100% um, agree with that because I definitely think for example, a mobile game or a free-to-play game will be a lot harder to push on a crowdfunding. But for example, with mobile games, I think um, the reasoning that was given was that mobile games have a smaller screen and therefore they're perceived as less important or in general mobile games are not doing so well there. And I think with that, I do not 100% agree that, that the reasoning is just like in my opinion different because i feel mobile games what i associ associate with a lot of mobile games is that they only just want my money and that they are trying to psychologically trick me into spending a lot mm. of money in like that it's just a money sink to make the game fun so that the game itself is actually not supposed to be fun but supposed to get all my money <laughs> And um, that's where I feel um, is, is the difficulty in if you make a game that the whole purpose is to just drain you off of money, then you immediately have this mistrust and this like where you don't make people feel safe when you go into crowdfunding because they immediately assume, okay, you make it, you're now asking for my money to then try to psychologically <laughs> trick me into spending yeah. more money on you. It's great if you can <laughs> you make it work mean? for your game. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I would feel like where, where's like that there you also have to have a moral compass as a game developer or as someone who presents their game on crowdfunding, yeah. I suppose. I, I, my opinion about that is for a free-to-play game, you can't offer it as an incentive for backers. So uh, we'll be we'll be talking much more about this in a subsequent podcast, I think. But um, you need to offer rewards to people who pledge money to your campaign. And if it's a free-to-play game, then you can't actually give them that game as a reward. It's already free. So I think that also is is going to oh, definitely yeah. put people that's off. That's a big point. Um, and my opinion about the games for kids thing is. Um, kids don't have the money i suppose to back your game and i think a parent is quite unlikely to understand the crowdfunding culture around indie video games i'm not saying they will but less likely um, perhaps. I, I think that's mostly about the target audience on certain platforms because i think there's definitely 
something um, out there for um, funding kids' toys or whatever. But um, you have to look again, what platform are you trying to crowdfund? Who mostly uses that platform? And if you have, for example, um, a platform that very highly focuses on more like uh, adult uh, games or something, then you will obviously have a harder time to get a game funded um, for kids there. But that's all um, saying that you're even found through the platform you're crowdfunding on because mostly you're not being discovered. You're, you have to bring all the people you want funding from to the platform. So you are the one who's bringing them, not that the platform is bringing the crowdfunders to you. <laughs> so that's mostly about the, the genre of the game and who your target audience is and whether that of itself is suited for crowdfunding, um, which, you know, maybe it is, quite possibly it is. So also you need to think about the timing of your crowdfunder. Uh, is it the right time for you to be doing this campaign. And I have to say, actually, the quality of campaigns on Kickstarter, for example, is quite high. There's some very polished-looking campaigns. Um, mm -hmm. And even then, not all of them do that well. Um, an interesting point to that, if I may add, is that the amount of campaigns um, published on Kickstarter went down, but the amount of campaigns that got funded went up. So and I think that has to do indeed with the quality of the campaigns that the, that um, yeah, the margin of the quality just rose. Well, yeah, exactly. That's uh, what we wanted to talk about on in this respect. Does your game look presentable yet? Um, you're going to need some polished-looking game graphics. Uh, you're going to need some, hopefully, some gameplay in there. And you really just want to advertise what either is an almost-finished game or what clearly will be a finished game fairly soon with just a bit of help. Um, people are very unlikely to get behind a project that's just an idea with not much to prove it. Uh, the exception perhaps being if your team is excellent and everybody knows who's on the team, then perhaps you can sell the people making the game and the idea yeah. and then the crowdfunders may trust that it's going to be good, which, mm -hmm. you know, probably it will uh, if the idea is good. But um, suddenly as a uh, a young game company, that's certainly not a good route for us. Uh, and it it wouldn't work from what we've seen. Hmm. So to come back to is the time right? Like it also means to look at where are you in which type of development stage? Because if you're just in a conceptual phase where you don't have anything that you can again present, you, you do want to have like a gameplay or at least a gameplay demonstration or some type of prototype that you can show people. And... Um, Yeah, that, that there's something there where you can again show you have more than just the idea to, to make it happen, really. Yeah. Another question related to timing is, um, are your socials developed enough? Because people will hear about your crowdfunder on the crowdfunding platform itself, but probably most of your crowdfunders will come to your crowdfunding campaign from 
advertising, from marketing, from social media. And uh, it's very difficult to give guidelines on how big or how well known your game has to be before you start crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. But I would say um, if if you aren't if you don't have a reasonably active social account somewhere you know, <laughs> on Discord or Twitter or Instagram or somewhere, it's best to just wait a little while. Um, so that you can have a community that can, uh, well, kick start your crowdfunding campaign, because mm -hmm. uh, that initial publicity is is very, very important, yeah. and hopefully those people will tell their friends about the game as well. I think um, it's a lot more about the engagement of your community and not so much about um, the masses because like let's just <laughs> imagine we live in a universe where you have 10 followers and every one of these 10 followers is like oh my god I believe in this so much I give 1k uh, to this person to invest into their dream and make it happen and then on the other side you have 10,000 followers and they all give one euro or one dollar and then the result is similar <laughs> But I think it's yeah. all the, about the engagement and how in invested also emotionally people are in you. And um, what I also still wanted to say that I think a good stage to start looking into crowdfunding is when your game is um, in an alpha testing state and then a little beyond this uh, alpha testing state. And like right when it kind of transitions into beta testing. Hmm. As, a, as a studio, we've found especially... Uh, we have much more clarity on our current game, Legion's Masters, after it's after an early alpha testing stage. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that, that clarity is going to be very important yeah. to actually sell your game because you're, you're effectively selling it on a crowdfunding campaign. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have uh, Q&A test, uh, quality assurance testers, then... Um, because we are not really working with quality assurance testers. We are only working with people who, who are like interested in us and want to help us make the game better and, um, uh, well, not necessarily friends and family. We are also approached by people that we have never met before that are like, hey, can I test your game? And um, then we, we look, okay, who really gives us feedback and who can really help us make this game better? And... Um, These people, you also need to kind of keep hooked in a way to, so they, they would still keep on recommending you and not test the game and then say, oh, yeah, okay, this was not so great. I would not crowdfund or test or like and recommend it to anyone. Yeah, it helps that if they're made aware of an alpha, they know the game's still growing. Um, but also, the, if your community's been with you during this alpha release, then they're more invested in your story. And again, more on that in the next podcast, I think. But um, if you have a community that knows the story behind the creation of your game and how it is being created, how it has been created, why the difficulties you've had, that's a good sign. That might mean that your community is ready for a crowdfunder and that they'll take an active uh, personal interest in that crowdfunder because they've being a part of your game's story. Um, and also, uh, Jackie's point about feedback is great. 
because the feedback you get from these alpha testers is going to give you some very good ideas of how to craft your campaign. What are people looking for? What would they like to see? Uh, and what specific things did they notice about the game that you didn't, that perhaps they actually really enjoyed? Hmm. I think feedback is actually the most important point that you really want to listen to what people want and how you can like help and like cover that need and yeah to to basically cater to the needs of people and find a solution for these things and the more you listen the more you will have an understanding of what you will need to do in a way yeah and there is a lot to do in <laughs> crowdfunding campaigns. So our next point was, um, do you have the time, budget and resources to craft a good crowdfunding campaign? Because quite a lot goes into it. For example, uh, a good crowdfunding campaign probably will have a video at the top and this video should have some reasonable production value to it. Unfortunately, I'd, I'd love it if you could just draw a smiley face in Microsoft Paint. I think they would, would the probably trick. also get some traction if it was just a, like an animated smiley face and, hey, we need your money because this, <laughs> look at it, <laughs> help. <laughs> look at my glorious smiley face. I thought it's like a call for help. Okay. This is um, all I could you know, make. Do you know these advertisements? <laughs> <laughs> do you know these advertisements that are like really crappily made and then saying this is why we need a graphical artist please come and help us and then it's basically like an advertisement for that they are hiring a graphical designer a graphic designer um yeah. it's really funny get mm. their sympathy uh, there was a there was a successful crowdfunding campaign for somebody making a potato salad Really? I can't remember the details, no. but I think he managed to raise about $50,000 for his what? potato salad. No. I don't know what's in it I don't now. No. Like what? with real Fabergé really? eggs. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just like maybe also about just being self aware. I, I think that the quirkiness and these things definitely add a certain charm that people may as well just go for. You know, that video that was the most viewed video on YouTube for a while, which is, or is still, I don't know, which was just an egg or something. Um, just an egg. Yeah, just an egg. Wow. <laughs> I, I think it was something along these lines. Um, yeah. I think it was started by Mr. Beast or something. If I uh, Maybe I'm completely wrong on that. Don't quote me on it. Um, so, well, I mean, you're on record for saying that now, so we will hold okay, you to cut it out. Cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's, uh, those are some options of what you could create on an extremely limited budget, but you should probably spend uh, some money on your video or just get good at editing your video. I mean, you don't actually have to spend money and there's some very good video editing software out there, but... Well, or again, get, get external help when you're noticing, okay, this is not my competence. Uh, I am really bad at this. Get someone else who can do it for you. Absolutely. For which you're going to need some budget. So do you, do you have a, ironically, do you have a little <laughs> bit of money to fund your crowdfunding? Yeah, I, I yeah. think it's an illusion to think that crowdfunding doesn't cost anything. It's still, if, if you want to make anything successful, you will need to invest some sort of money into it because you want to be discovered and you want to have attention of people. And I think the most important resource is that attention. It also takes a lot of time. So uh, 
you might be just a one-man game development studio or you might be a team of uh, five people or whatever, but actually have you managed your team appropriately in a way that one or all of your members can share the burden of creating this campaign, maintaining it, drumming up loads of publicity because it's it's going to be on top of all the other work you're doing on your game development or otherwise you're going to have to take away from everybody's workload mm -hmm. so that you have uh, probably an hour or so to spend on this campaign every day and uh, hopefully longer. Where, where it's like you don't want to cut in your development so heavily because it's like this double-edged uh, sword where you have... Um, you really want to push your game so you can show more content and like that you are progressing uh, with the state your game is in during the crowdfunding. But you also want to focus on the crowdfunding so you don't want to lower your development time so much. Um, yeah, so it's, it's like a difficult balance, I think. You also will be wanting to advertise the crowdfunding campaign as it goes on. So you're going to ideally ramp up your social media presence and also if the crowdfunding campaign and hopefully it will uh, does reasonably well you're going to have to answer questions most probably uh, you may want to consider preemptively making a frequently asked questions section or perhaps asking any of your alpha testers what questions they would have about the game on a crowdfunding campaign or just mm -hmm. generally ask your community um, anything you can do to just alleviate some of the, the work around this campaign is, is probably a good idea and to prepare yourself for it. Um, I make it sound like the world's going to explode in fire. It's, it's probably not that bad, but still, <laughs> be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, indeed. I, I think what uh, we should also cover for the next podcast is um, like a certain approach or strategy you can like go about uh, setting up your entire um, campaign that there is indeed like a pre-launch phase where you try to get certain things um, already established, which you already said, which is like to boost your social media to a point where you think, oh, the engagement is high enough that I can probably... Um, gain or get some funding out of this maybe <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> these are all points that go into this pre-launch phase um, which we definitely want to cover some more yeah i think uh, today we can talk about just some of the research that you should do to prepare i think the first one is to identify similar games to yours Uh, and th there might not be the exact copies. Hopefully there aren't on crowdfunding. Um, but chances are there's something that is slightly like what you're making. Um, and have a look at their campaign. Is it doing well? Who is it popular with? Uh, how much is the target pledge? So that's the amount it's trying to raise. Uh, what's the average size of donation? Hopefully, you can normally see that on crowdfunding campaigns because you can normally see how many people have given within a certain tier, a certain amount of dollars. Um, if lots of people are giving $1, then that's an indication that this game has volume behind it. It's got a large quantity of supporters, but they might not believe so strongly in it. If it's got not so many donations, but the bigger amount, 
then that's uh, this point about engagement. It has a very engaged community. Um, I'm not saying copy it, but just take notes. It should influence what your campaign does. Um, you also need to make sure that your campaign doesn't look exactly like the game that just got funded because mm -hmm. uh, crowdfunding is, uh, well, it's crowded. It's a very competitive space. Um, so you need to know what's your niche. And uh, yeah, that brings us to the next point of if you have got this social media going, um, do you notice a trend among the fans of your game? Have you identified a target audience? Because you're, mm -hmm. you're going to really want to target them for this crowdfunder. Yeah, I think it would be interesting also to bring up the point that let's say you're like really strong-willed person and say, okay, I'm going to make this free-to-play mobile game for kids and there are no other um, campaigns out there you can um, like check it against because no one is as, you know, like strong willed as you and goes for this type of game on crowdfunding, then what do you do then? Do you still... Um, because you cannot really make an estimate then. Then all you, you can do is to like look at what are your own motivations, what are your own visions, how much do you think this would cost and how much do you like really believe uh, you can... Um, gain in terms of finances from in getting people interested yeah there's some honest questions to ask yourself <laughs> and we're yeah. going to be making that point about honesty and clarity a lot next yeah. podcast it's so important oh, oh what um, do you think on it edwin because i'm like honestly very curious about okay what do you do when when you have this one game that is like so much or like that already kind of got marked as okay this is totally not going to work do you just give up do you just roll over and be like okay <laughs> I <tried>. actually <laughs> i don't know if it's going to be the case with uh, these free-to-play games for kids uh because actually maybe there's a lot of them on crowdfunding I, i'm not sure i haven't looked it up however actually your exact point of this unique game that nobody was trying to get funding for it's the first big success on kickstarter um so in 2012, I think, there was an adventure game, uh, Tim Schafer's Double Fine. It raised over three million dollars. Wow. But but now the interesting question, did it get released? <laughs> that is a very interesting question. I'm, I'm not actually sure. From the, the details of what I remember is basically there, there hadn't been that many notable adventure games for about a period of 10 or so years, or at least old school adventure games. Yeah. And his game did really well because actually nobody was doing it. Nobody thought it would work. Uh, it was kind of out of fashion, but also a lot of people had nostalgia for the genre. Mm. And there was, in fact, he tapped into a lot of interest because yeah. it was a unique product. And I think people probably, I mean... They're fairly intelligent. A lot of gamers are quite savvy <laughs> to the gaming market, you know. Um, so I think there would be a general realization among the people who crowdfunding, who crowdfunded that game, that crowdfunding was the best funding option for 
his adventure game and that, that that was the only way this game would be made yeah but i think the point i'm trying to make is i think when it comes to how high you should set your goals for getting funds i think you can also go a little with your gut feeling and because that is what you have to do if there's no one else who tries to fund something similar to yours yeah if you can't find anything similar to your game that may be a very good sign or may not be That's, depends or it might be <laughs> awful so. i think it's only the most extremes is it <laughs> oh well may, maybe actually it's not really true because if you have something that everyone tries to get crowdfunded you will also probably like then you again don't feel a need i feel like it all boils down to how can you help people fulfill something that there's a need for and that they want and that they love and that they're like completely behind and if there are 10 games that are the same um, on let's say Kickstarter, then there is no niche again for this specific yeah. game. It's uh, worth being careful about. Um, so the the point is, kickstarting, uh, not kickstarting, but crowdfunding is a crowded genre. Um, and actually, going back to that game I was talking about, which I have just looked up now because it was annoying me. It's called Double Fine Adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons it did well is because of it it got a lot of publicity from a documentary about making an indie game that was happening at the same time as the crowdfunder. Mm, okay. Yeah, which that, again, yeah. <laughs> it's an, again the point of okay, you need some sort of resources to get attention to that then again um get more attention to get more attention and yeah. yeah, so they, they had good resources behind them. They were also quite experienced game developers mm. um, at, by the time they had decided to make the game. But yeah, if you've, if you've got a niche and you think there's a demand for it, then absolutely go for it because that is the kind of thing that does well or awfully. <laughs> Where we maybe like if there's no demand for it, yeah. yeah um, I don't know if we want to get into the advantages and disadvantages of uh, Kickstarter, Edwin. I, I don't know if you want to uh, still say something to it. Uh, not the specific it. platform of Kickstarter, but we we should definitely talk about the platforms that are out there and what options there are. Um, when I was researching it, I saw, I think that there's. Over, there's over 600 crowdfunding platforms. There's a huge amount of crowdfunding platforms, so we definitely can't talk about them all. But uh, over to you, Jackie. What are the main ones? <laughs> okay, so, well, Kickstarter is definitely out there if you want to get your game funded. And um, I'm just going to name like the more popular ones that are relevant in terms of game uh, development. Because I think at the end of the day, this is all about this. So Kickstarter, then you have Indiegogo and uh, Fig. Uh, Fig has like a very small uh, like backer base in comparison to, let's say, Kickstarter. But if you want to give back or like to give return to your backers, then Fig is probably like a good start. Then there's also... Ulule, I don't know if I pronounce this uh, correctly, but apparently <laughs> <Ulule>? that's <laughs> Ulule. <laughs> I, but apparently that's great if you have a lot of uh, friends who want to back you. And um, Kickstarter in general really seems to be great in terms of discoverability and just 
the strongest brand awareness. People feel safe there, and th this is like a really big point. But what, for me personally, speaks for Indiegogo is that Indiegogo like um, has two different types of how you can get funded, and Kickstarter is very much this. Um, high risk, uh, high return thing where you either get everything or you get nothing. And Indiegogo has this other option where you can um, still like get what you got funded and <laughs> don't lose everything when when it's not so, when your campaign is not successful. And that that is for me like a really big point because at one like I, I think. Um, you you really want your first 48 hours, you want to get 20% of your uh, campaign funded and then you have this middle part where you again uh, don't have that much traction and then at the, when your campaign ends then again you get more traction and I think this is like a really good way to um, get over that struggle of maybe not getting enough people behind you or just not getting enough people interested yeah i think psychologically and this is coming from me uh looking at a game that i might want to crowdfund um you're very unlikely to offer crowdfunding to a game that you think is likely to not get it um and i think on indiegogo if you think your crowdfunding campaign is risky or you're not quite sure or it's quite possible you won't make your goals, then psychologically you may actually get backed more because people won't be so put off by seeing that you're still $10,000 off mm -hmm. your goal of $11,000 yeah. or whatever. It's it's quite helpful on that front. Yeah, but I think um, it's also important mm. to, again, you need to know your target audience because all these platforms have different target audiences too. And um, depending on that, you can maybe be discovered because um, you could also say, okay, I'm going on a platform that has like a really low backer base for games. Maybe that's the reason why you will be successful there because, well, you're the only one <laughs> kind of who is there with a the game. Um, that yeah. you, you cannot really make predictions in, in that scenario. I'm going to go back to the target audience I made up last podcast of if your game is aimed at six-year-old women who uh, live in the Bahamas, um, there may well be a crowdfunding platform that is clearly much more popular among six-year-old women who live in the Bahamas. And in fact, even if there aren't that many games on that crowdfunding platform, there's a good chance that they may like it because it's targeted at them. Um so I was, I was going to mention GoFundMe as well, um, which I have the impression might be the, um, the the platform on which there's the most users and the platform that's raised the most money. However, that's not specific to games. And Indiegogo and Kickstarter may have uh, a, a quite a lot higher percentage of games being funded on those platforms. So with... Uh, there's also that to consider. Um, the biggest platform may or may not be the best option to you. Yeah, just just do your mm -hmm. research on the platform, I would say, and on your target audience. And 
do your research. <laughs> yeah. That's maybe the key thing to take away. Um, Another important point here is some platforms offer different types of crowdfunding. So I think um, not it's not really the aim of this podcast, but we should at least mention Patreon. That is actually a type of crowdfunding. Yeah. Obviously, it's based on monthly contributions to your game. And perhaps if it's a longer project or if you're not ready to just put in this sudden spike of effort and risk it um, on a crowdfunding campaign, then perhaps that monthly contribution uh, may be a better option for you, mm. especially if you release lots of small games. Um, it, it's odd to do a separate crowdfunder for them all. You might just want to create a studio Patreon where people contribute to the studio and then you can continue making these small games without having to spend a ridiculous amount of time on crowdfunding uh, platforms. Um, there is also uh, a type of funding that's fairly new these days, but I think it's normally called equity funding. Mm -hmm. And on this option, people can uh, fund your game as normal, but the amount that they pledged turns into them getting a percentage of your profits. Um, they don't. Uh, the name implies, by the way, equity funding that they are buying equity in your game company. Mm -hmm. Apparently, that's not how it works. I see. I, th I think fake is um, like if you pub, um, uh, go for crowdfunding over fake. I think that's similar than that you basically share revenue there but i'm not sure yes. about it yeah fig i was going to say is is one of the the most major platforms that is now offering equity funding um and again if you think that uh, people might not feel that passionately about your game but they might also think that it's going to be a good game and that it's going to make money then uh, a bit like that peer-to-peer -peer lending or finding a investor blah 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 those options Uh, equity funding might be quite a good option. It also carries a lower risk because they're simply taking a percentage of your profits rather than giving you a loan, which you have to pay back. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's so a good point. Yeah. It's, good it, it's point. a nice one, but look at your contract very carefully because this is a new area. Yeah. Uh, similar really with peer-to-peer -peer uh, lending. You really need to read that contract carefully. Yeah, I mean, in a way, it's not that different from having a publisher then, because the publisher would also take probably some of your revenue. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you could maybe probably even have a better deal with a publisher than, than um, doing that. Yeah, it's a good point. Exactly. To name just a few other platforms, there's Rocket Hub, Fundraiser, Possible, uh, Fundable, which actually is slightly bigger than the ones I've just mentioned, I think. Fund anything quirky. Uh, and I personally was recommended Games Planet Lab mm -hmm. and Gambitious, Gambitious uh, which I haven't had time to check out, but I was told they were good. Um, if you're interested in a loan-type crowdfunder, peer-to-peer -peer lending, then there's one called Lending Club, which is specifically for that. Uh, or if you're in the UK, there's one called Zopa, Z-O-P-A, or Zopa. Uh, um, there are many others. Like I said, there's over 600. Um, so if you if you really want to get your niche, then there's quite a lot of work involved, I guess, in researching the platform. 
Um, oh, we haven't discussed some disadvantages to crowdfunding, really. That there aren't so many drawbacks to just traditional crowdfunding where people are just pledging money to your game. But I was actually thinking about it. You you might feel some psychological pressure because your game has effectively been paid for after a successful Kickstarter and you've now got a community with certain expectations of what your game's going to be. Mm. Um, only, only you can decide for yourself if the if that pressure is going to be a good thing it may very well motivate you or if it's going to make it unpleasant uh or or not um also if the community has now invested or contributed to your game they might feel like they should have a strong say in the game and its direction mm -hmm. um i think this can be alleviated mitigated by making the campaign extremely clear yeah. so that contributors know exactly what they are buying into yeah i, I think um another thing that could be perceived as a disadvantage is that if you fail your uh, campaign that is perceived that failing is uh, something bad but um I think it, it doesn't have to be that way. I think a community can also like grow together by failing together. And yeah. also there there are indeed like um, campaigns that maybe failed three times and then at the fourth time it was successful. And um, just to mm. just not get demotivated or think like, okay, my game is not like worth it or no one like, if you fail one campaign, you really need to sit down and analyze why you failed. And um, if it's because you didn't show gameplay or if it's because you just didn't reach out to anyone, if you show no one that you're having a campaign, then, yeah, it's going to be hard to get it to a point where it's successful. I've personally seen a couple of games that have possibly at least added a quarter onto their community and perhaps doubled it through a crowdfunding campaign. The people who do find you and do contribute to your game are going to be very involved in the game thereafter in in most cases. So this mm. is almost the best type of community you can get. Um, and in one of those games cases, they haven't bothered with another crowdfunder. Um, they just basically got all the support they needed and the crowdfunder failed. But they, they built up this big and dedicated community and they, they felt like they didn't need to spend so much money on their marketing anymore. Mm. Um, Oh, one which one maybe option. even a yep. misconception to begin with, because maybe that's like a false safety they got. But I'm, I'm no one to judge. But I, I feel oh, like absolutely. you should always I, I spend into say, marketing. Yeah, I, I don't want to say that's the correct way to do things. Uh, it, I, it probably isn't, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but whatever. Just bear in mind, it's pretty. Uh, this it's pretty good for building a community. Um, but uh, some games, by the way do a crowdfunder not necessarily because they want to raise money crowdfunding that's not the principal goal actually some games will do a crowdfunder because they want to demonstrate value and they want to demonstrate that there is a demand for that game mm. um, and they don't they're not particularly fast if let's say the goal was a hundred thousand dollars they're not especially fast if they only got eighty thousand of those dollars mm -hmm. um, they will then be approaching for example a private investor or a publisher to say look this game has quite a lot of interest and this many people were prepared to buy the game already uh, and it can make for some very interesting statistics basically about the game that will get some investors 
interested. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't name any specifics, but apparently that's a tactic sometimes used. That's a good point. Um, the worst thing, by the way, that can happen, the, the, the worst drawback is if your game reaches its goal, but you later realize that that goal was not enough money to do what you said you would do. Mm. And it can get very bad. You can, you're at risk of being sued for that. There's, there's a risk of legal action. Um, again, this is about being really clear and thoroughly doing your research. Don't say that your marketing is going to cost $500 if it's probably going to cost 1000 Or don't say that you're going to get all your game's 3D art f- done for $1,000 if it's a big game. That's, yeah. that's unlikely. I think that's a good topic um, for the next podcast because there we will indeed dive deeper into the resource side of um, building your campaign and a little deeper into the overall strategy you can go. This is unrelated to any of the previous points, but make sure you look up the fees that each platform charges. That's a small point, but there's (laughs) a platform fee which I think for Kickstarter is 5%, and I think on GoFundMe it's also 5%. Please don't quote me on these figures. I, I think GoFundMe has actually 0%, because I think it's crowd donation on GoFundMe. Indiegogo, oh, I think, has 5%. Is, oh, okay. Um, they also, and this fee is more hidden, they also take a payment fee, and that varies per platform. So there's the platform fee, but then the payment processing fee or whatever they want to call it, uh, which is for Kickstarter, mm-hmm. I think it was 3.5%. Um, so this is that does add up to a reasonable percentage of your profits, and it's probably very deliberately a figure that's just not quite enough to be rounded up to 10, but is almost 10% of your profit. Um, so just make sure you look that up because it, it does vary <laughs> per platform. Yeah. Um, I think GoFundMe, from what I saw, had the lowest fees of the major platforms. On that note, I think we've probably covered all the topics we wanted to talk about today. Um, please tune in for the next podcast. Uh, that's probably going to be, well, we're probably going to make it reasonably soon, but it'll, it'll be coming out in February 2020. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we'll be talking more about this uh, crowdfunding approach. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please join our Discord server and we'll keep you posted on the details for that next podcast. And you're also welcome to ask us questions there. Uh, the link's in the description. So I was Edwin Dizer and I was with... Uh, you still are uh, with... Uh... <laughs> I'm not dead yet. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Jacqueline Martin. Thank you for joining us. Oh.